Welcome to Misty 101 podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode of our podcast. Russian envoy warns of right to counterattack in eastern Ukraine. Russia's ambassador to the EU has said Moscow would be within its rights to launch a counterattack if it felt it needed to protect Russian citizens living in eastern Ukraine. The comments in an interview with The Guardian will do little to calm fears of a major Russian assault on Ukraine, given one of the key scenarios suggested by Western intelligence was Russia launching a false flag operation to provide a pretext for invasion. We will not invade Ukraine unless we are provoked to do that said Vladimir Chitshov, who has represented Russia in Brussels since 2005. If the Ukrainians launch an attack against Russia, you shouldn't be surprised if we counter-attack. Or, if they start blatantly killing Russian citizens anywhere Donbas or wherever. Donbas is the region of eastern Ukraine where the Kremlin has armed and funded an insurgency since 2014. It has also, in recent years, handed out hundreds of thousands of Russian passports to residents of two so-called People's Republics, which are no longer controlled by Kyiv. More than 14,000 people have been killed in the conflict since 2014. Russia has always denied being a party to the conflict despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Chitshof described claims Russian troops were already in the Donbas region as a lie but warned that a sudden escalation of the conflict there, or a Ukrainian provocation, could precipitate action by the Kremlin. What I mean by provocation is that they may stage an incident against the self-proclaimed Donbas republics, provoking them, and then hitting them with all their might thus provoking Russia to react in order to avoid humanitarian catastrophe on its borders. The US government has claimed to have evidence that Moscow is planning just the kind of provocation Chitshof said Kyiv could launch. US officials went public last month with claims they had evidence of a plan to make a very graphic fake video of a Ukrainian attack. With an estimated 145,000 Russian troops on the border with Ukraine, intelligence officials in the U.S. said over the weekend that Russia had accelerated plans for an invasion and could move troops across the border as soon as Wednesday. Chitshof dismissed Western fears of an imminent conflict, saying the numbers of Russian troops on Ukraine's border were only equivalent to those of the ZAPAD-21 a large-scale military exercise conducted last September. And nobody said a word, then, he said. Military analysts describe the scale and composition of the build-up as unprecedented. At a meeting with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, on Monday, Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, appeared to leave room for further negotiations. You have said, and other Russian representatives have said, that we warn against endless conversations on issues that need to be resolved today. Still, as the foreign minister, I should say that there is always a chance that told the Russian president. It seems to me that our possibilities are far from being exhausted. They certainly should not continue indefinitely. But at this stage I would suggest that they continue and be intensified he added. 
Chitzhof said he believed the diplomatic blitz of recent weeks could still end in a solution that worked for all sides. The Kremlin is seeking to block Ukraine from future membership of NATO, a demand rejected by the West, as well as to begin a discussion on a new security architecture for Europe. Chitzhof said the West had a selective type of memory about previous commitments on NATO enlargement. He added that Lavrov had written to EU and NATO countries on 1 February citing the OSH summit in Istanbul in November 1999 where it was agreed that all were obliged not to strengthen its security at the expense of the security of other states. The EU's foreign affairs chief, Josep Borrell, has responded in a letter seen by The Guardian, in which he said, we in the European Union are prepared to continue dialogue with Russia on ways to strengthen the security of all. Chitzhof said he was not able to make Borrell's letter public but that his general assessment was that it was unsatisfactory. He added that it was also surprising, given that Borrell had not been a recipient of Lavrov's communication. We wanted to sound out each and every country Chitzhof said. Well. They were too timid to reply in their national capacity. NATO versus Russia, who would win? Moscow welcomes Ukraine's offer to suspend bid to join Western military alliance. When Russian troops crossed into Ukraine and illegally annexed Crimea in 2014, NATO was caught flat-footed by Moscow's sudden and unorthodox military campaign. See more how China could win in Russia-Ukraine row. See more why Vladimir Putin is so hung up about NATO. See more will Russia try to invade Ukraine in 2022. Now, with Russian troops once again massing at the Ukrainian border, the international military alliance is keen to avoid a repeat performance. The two sides are negotiating, with the stated aim of avoiding an armed escalation that would pull in many of the world's most powerful military forces. But if a conflict cannot be avoided, who stands to lose if NATO and Russian go head-to-head -head on the battlefield? The latest. A senior Ukrainian diplomat has signaled that Kiev could be willing to suspend its efforts to join NATO to avoid a war with Russia. The intervention has been broadly welcomed by the Kremlin with the Times reporting that Ukraine renouncing joining NATO would significantly help to address its concerns. But Russian officials warned that they do not believe there had been an official change in Kiev's position despite the remarks by Vadim Pristako, Ukraine's ambassador to Britain. The belief in Moscow that Ukraine has not formally abandoned its desire to join the Western military alliance was heightened by a spokesperson for Ukraine's foreign minister claiming the ambassador's words had been taken out of context, The Guardian reported. Ambassador Pristeko rightly noted in his interview that the prospect of NATO membership is established in the constitution of Ukraine, although Ukraine is currently not a member of NATO or any other security alliance they said. The key for us is the issue of security guarantees. Undoubtedly, the best such guarantee would be the alliance immediately accepting Ukraine. But the threats to Ukraine exist here and now so the search for security guarantees becomes a fundamental and urgent task.
Moscow today appeared to suggest that a diplomatic solution was still possible and that some of its military drills were ending, the Times added. Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said during a televised meeting with Vladimir Putin that there is always a chance to reach an agreement with Western countries. He also told the Russian president that the opportunities are far from exhausted in terms of coming to a peaceful resolution with Western leaders. What is NATO's capability? The core principle of NATO's international military alliance is its system of collective defense meaning if any member state is attacked by a third party, then every member state must step in to defend it. Fortunately for countries such as Montenegro, which spends just £67 million a year on defence, there are some military big hitters in the alliance. The US spends more on defence than double the rest of NATO combined with 2021 spending estimated at $705 billion, £516 billion, according to the Department of Defense. As well as being the biggest defense spender in the world, the US has a powerful arsenal and a huge amount of manpower 1.3 million active troops, with another 865,000 in reserve said the New York Times in 2017. The UK is the second biggest overall spender in NATO, putting nearly £50 billion into defence annually compared to Germany's £45 billion, France's £42 billion and Italy's £20 billion. What is Russia's capability? Russia's military capability is not to be sniffed at easily ranking among the world's most powerful. According to the Washington-based Heritage Foundation, its inventory includes 336 intercontinental ballistic missiles, 2,840 battle tanks, 5,220 armored infantry fighting vehicles, over 6,100 armored personnel carriers and more than 4,684 pieces of artillery but it is lacking in some areas of modern military technology, including drone capability, electronic components, and radar and satellite reconnaissance, Russian journalist and military analyst Pavel Felgenhauer told Deutsche Well. That's what the Russian military is talking about, yes, we have weapons, including long-range weapons, but our reconnaissance capabilities are weaker than our attack capabilities Felgenhauer said. So we have long-range, sometimes precision-guided weapons, but we don't always know where the target is. Who would win? Research published in 2019 by the Royal United Services Institute, RUSI, found that British forces would be comprehensively outgunned in any conflict with Russia in Eastern Europe. The Ruzi found that the British Army and its NATO allies have a critical shortage of artillery and ammunition, meaning they would struggle to maintain a credible defence position if Russia were to opt for all-out aggression. At present, there is a risk that the UK unable to credibly fight can be dominated lower down the escalation ladder by powers threatening escalation said Ruzi's report. But the UK wouldn't need to stand alone against Russia. And NATO's biggest player, the US, has an overwhelming advantage over Russia in conventional forces, 
Russian military analyst Alexander Golds told Deutsche Welle. While Felgenhauer agreed with Golds' assessment of the US's military advantage, he warned that open warfare often comes down to far more than the inventories that each side of the conflict can call upon. He told DW that it's like predicting the result of a soccer match, adding, Yes, basically, Brazil should beat America in soccer, but I have seen Americans beat Brazil in South Africa, at the Confederations Cup. You never know the result until the game is played. Petrol prices surge to fresh record high. Petrol prices have soared to a fresh record high, piling further pressure on already squeezed households battling steeper food and energy bills. The AA said the cost of petrol hit 148.02 PA liter on average over the weekend, marking a new all-time high. The last record high was 147.72 PA liter in late November. Diesel prices have also spiraled, with the average price for a liter currently at 151.57 P compared to 151.10p on the 20th of November. The AA's Luke Bodset said, The cost of living crisis has been ratcheted up yet another notch, tightening the vice on family spending when it faces other pressures from impending domestic energy cost and tax increases. A combination of soaring inflation, Tax hikes and high energy prices are expected to add an average £2,922 to annual bills this year, Telegraph analysis of official data has suggested. The Bank of England has forecast inflation to hit 7.25 pc in April from its current rate of 5.4 pc. Meanwhile, wage growth has struggled to keep pace and was at 4.2 PC towards the end of 2021, sparking the worst cost-of-living crisis in generations. Soaring costs at the pump come amid growing concerns over a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Ministers are concerned that Russia could block gas supplies from reaching Western Europe if the situation deteriorates, sending prices surging even higher. Around a fifth of the UK's diesel comes from refineries overseen by the Kremlin, with fears mounting over the potential for sudden disruption if Russia invades Ukraine. Almost 13M cars on Britain's roads run on diesel. Last week, the government attempted to allay concerns, saying, the UK is a significant producer of both crude oil and petroleum products and holds oil stocks in the unlikely event of a major oil supply disruption. The latest increases follow months of pressure on drivers in Britain. Last month, petrol retailers came under fire from the RAC, which accused them of not passing on wholesale price cuts to customers. According to the RAC, in December, People were paying 2p less for petrol per litre, but should have been paying 12p less. Royal Family, Camilla's forgotten title which she's refused to use for more than 10 years. His Royal Highness Camilla the Duchess of Cornwall will hold the title of Queen Consort when Prince Charles becomes King, the Queen announced on the eve of her Platinum Jubilee last week. The barriers previously in place for Camilla to hold the title have been lifted, 
but another title intended for Camilla following her marriage to the future king has been long forgotten. The queen said that it was her sincere wish for Camilla to use the title of queen consort upon Prince Charles' accession to the throne. The queen celebrated her platinum jubilee, marking 70 years of service on the throne and has become the longest reigning British monarch in history. Following her marriage to Prince Charles in 2005, Camilla received the title His Royal Highness the Duchess of Cornwall by which she has now become known. However, on the day of the wedding Buckingham Palace also announced that Camilla would use the unprecedented title of Princess Consort, given her role as the wife of Prince Charles who is next in line to the throne. Camilla's current title as Duchess of Cornwall may have come as a surprise to some as expectations would dictate she should be Princess of Wales as her husband is Prince of Wales, in the same way that Prince William and Kate Middleton share the Cambridge titles. However, as the last person to use the title Princess of Wales was Princess Diana, it is believed that the tragic circumstances surrounding her death had a part to play in Camilla's title differing from her husband's. Historian Marlene Koenig shared why she believed the reason behind Camilla's title on her blog Royal Musings, she wrote, I believe the decision to use Cornwall was done to appease the Diana Mannics. I think it is silly to not style Camilla as His Royal Highness the Princess of Wales. Camilla's title of Princess Consort has since been forgotten and it has not been used in over a decade in favour of her more commonly known title the Duchess of Cornwall. Camilla's newly announced future title of Queen Consort will mean she is known as Queen Camilla upon Prince Charles' accession to the throne, whilst the Queen's late husband Prince Philip was known as Prince Consort. Usually, Camilla's title would always have become Queen Consort at the moment Prince Charles became king, however uncertainty concerning public opinion around honouring the memory of Diana and other factors had suggested this might not be the case. The Queen's announcement last week follows her personal endorsement of Camilla at the start of the year. As part of the Queen's New Year announcement she shared that Camilla was to become a member of the Order of the Garter. Britain's highest honour. The future Queen joins other members of the royal family in holding the honour, including her husband Prince Charles as well as Princess Anne, Prince Edward, and her eldest grandson, Prince William. Kate Middleton is the most likely next recipient of the title Queen Consort and may also become a Princess Consort upon her father-in-law's accession to the throne. When Prince Charles becomes king he will have to decide who will take his title as Prince of Wales, experts predict that it is Prince William, next in line to the throne after Charles that will take on the role. This would then mean the current Duchess of Cambridge becomes the Princess of Wales, the first since Princess Diana, who died in a car crash in Paris in 1997. A source told us. I'm sure it'll be a bit of a bittersweet moment. This is, Diana's, son and his wife, so in some ways, it will be coming full circle, but it will also be a poignant reminder of what we all lost. Boris Johnson said to argue no ten parties were part of working life. 
Boris Johnson is expected to argue that no ten parties he attended during the Covid crisis were part of working life, as he finalises his responses to a Metropolitan Police questionnaire. The Prime Minister is being questioned by Scotland Yard investigators over his role in up to six of the gatherings held in Downing Street while restrictions on mixing were still in place. Mr Johnson, who has appointed his own lawyer, is set to claim the three leaving parties he attended were part of his job. Saying goodbye to staff is part of working life a source told The Times. Defence Minister James Heapy said on Monday that the Prime Minister would argue that he is not culpable of the potential offences being probed by the police. I certainly don't think the Prime Minister should volunteer his culpability the Minister told Sky News. His argument is that he is not culpable. We should wait and see what the police come back with. Asked about the photo showing Mr Johnson alongside several staff and bottle of bubbly at a Christmas quiz, Mr Heapy added, that is a snapshot in time. I don't know if the Prime Minister has walked into that room whilst the other two people in the photograph are engaged in something. Mr Johnson received the questionnaire from police investigating allegations of lockdown breaching parties late on Friday evening and is consulting with a lawyer on responses this week. The PM has already claimed that he believed implicitly that the Bring Your Own Booze Garden Party at No 10 in May 2020 was a work event. He will reportedly also claim that he was working in his own flat in 11 Downing Street on the November 2020 evening that Dominic Cummings claims a party was held. Former Conservative leader Sir Ian Duncan Smith has said it would be very tough for Mr Johnson to survive if the police probe concludes that he broke Covid laws and gets a fixed penalty notice. Senior Tory backbencher Sir Bob Neill also said a fine could be fatal. I think it will be very difficult for anyone to be in the position of the country's principal lawmaker, and then break a law which they themselves had brought into force he said. But allies have said Mr Johnson, who faces a potential no-confidence vote if 54 Tory MPs send in letters, intends to carry on even if he is fined by the police. Almost 90 questionnaires will be sent to staff working at Downing Street, according to The Times, more than the 50 originally announced by Scotland Yard. Rishi Sunak said on Friday that he is not expecting to be asked to fill out a police questionnaire in relation to the Partygate probe. The Chancellor said he did not think he had broken Covid rules when he went to a birthday event for Mr Johnson in June 2020. Adam Wagner QC, a leading legal expert on Covid rules has suggested it could take months for Scotland Yard to conclude its investigation if Mr Johnson is lawyered up. Boris Johnson backed to fight and win next election whatever happens over Partygate. A cabinet minister has insisted that Boris Johnson will lead the Tory party into the next election, whatever the outcome of a police investigation into the Partygate row. Brandon Lewis, the Northern Ireland Secretary sought to dampen speculation about the Prime Minister's future after senior Tory MPs warned he would struggle to continue in office if he is found to have broken Covid laws. 
Downing Street confirmed on Friday night that Mr. Johnson had received a questionnaire as part of the Metropolitan Police's inquiry into allegations of lockdown-breaking parties in government buildings. On Sunday, Mr. Lewis insisted that the Prime Minister will fight and will win the next general election, as he faces the possibility of his backbenchers forcing a vote to oust him as leader. Fifteen Tory MPs have publicly called for Mr Johnson to quit, while more are thought to have privately written to the chairman of the 1922 committee demanding a no-confidence vote. If Mr Johnson is found to have broken his own Covid laws, calls for his resignation are likely to grow. Mr Johnson is absolutely focused on the job despite the Scotland Yard investigation, the frontbencher added. On Sunday, Mr Lewis told Sky News, he has my absolute 100% plus loyalty. I think this Prime Minister is doing things for our country, he's got the big decisions right. I think he will fight and he will win as a result of the next general election. Socialising band in Downing Street Garden the intervention came as it emerged that a ban on impromptu socialising in the garden has been slapped on staff in Downing Street. A bring-your-own-booze gathering in the grounds of No. 10 organised by Martin Reynolds, Mr Johnson's outgoing principal private secretary, on 20 May 2020 is one of the events under investigation by the police. Employees in Downing Street have been warned that the garden is now only for use by residents unless prior approval is granted. The ban includes popping out for brief cigarette breaks, the Mail on Sunday reported. The development means that only Mr Johnson, his wife Carrie and their two children are likely to use the outdoor space regularly, along with Rishi Sunak, his wife Akshata and their two daughters. It is part of a wider cultural change underway in Downing Street, as Mr Johnson attempts to draw a line under the Partygate saga. Alcohol is set to be banned after Sue Gray, the senior civil servant, warned in her pared-back report into the row, the excessive consumption of alcohol is not appropriate in a professional workplace at any time. Steps must be taken to ensure that every government department has a clear and robust policy in place covering the consumption of alcohol in the workplace. Johnson to tour Scotland and Northern England On Monday, the Prime Minister will embark on a tour of Scotland and Northern England as he seeks to distract people from the row over lockdown parties and focus attention instead on the government's levelling up agenda. I'm getting out of London this week and taking a simple message with me this government is getting on with the job of uniting and levelling up the country he said. He will stress the importance of access to good healthcare, schools, jobs and transport networks for all Britons, regardless of where they live. Sir Ian Duncan Smith, the former Tory leader became the latest senior party voice last week to warn that Mr Johnson would find it difficult to stay in Downing Street if he is fined by the police for breaching Covid laws. I think it would be very tough for anyone to remain after that he said. More USF-15 fighter jets land in Poland, says Minister. An additional eight USF-15 fighter jets landed in Poland on Monday the Polish defence minister said.
amid mounting tensions in Eastern Europe after Russia massed troops near its border with Ukraine. More American F-15 fighters landed today at the base in Lask Marius Blazczak wrote on Twitter. Eight aircraft will join those that came to Poland last week. Body of drowned Ukrainian man tests COVID positive 28 times over six weeks. The body of a Ukrainian man who died from drowning in Italy tested positive for COVID-19 as many as 28 times in the six weeks after his death, according to scientists who examined his corpse. The 41-year-old went missing while swimming at sea with his friends during rough weather near the Italian city of Chieti. His body was found wedged between rocks 16 hours later, according to the study published in the Journal of Medicine case. The man was believed to be asymptomatic before his death. However, during a routine COVID test of the corpse as part of his autopsy, the swab result turned out to be positive, according to scientists of Italy's D'Annunzio University. Over a period of 41 days, 28 tests were carried out on the corpse, and they all turned out to be positive. The man's body was kept at 4C in the morgue at Chieti Hospital inside a sealed waterproof bag. While there is limited data on the transmission of infection from a corpse, this is a rare case that is shedding light on how long the COVID-19 infection can persist in a body even after the person is dead. The present case shows the persistence of SARS-CoV-2 RNA up to 41 days after death the researchers from the university's Center for Advanced Studies and Technology wrote. Data about its persistence are of fundamental importance for pathologists to understand when the handling of the corpse is safe, and further studies are needed to estimate the virus contagiousness. More tests could not be performed due to the man's burial after 41 days. However, scientists warned that the case reflects the importance of post-mortem swabs in all autopsy cases, and not only in potential severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2 related death. They also emphasized the need to evaluate virus positivity a long time after the moment of death even if a low initial viral load was assessed. New highly virulent HIV variant discovered. A new HIV variant. Science, the official publication of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, published an alarming study on 3 February, 2022, a highly virulent variant of HIV-1 circulating in the Netherlands. VB. This new variant has been labelled VB by epidemiologist Chris Wimant and his research team from the University of Oxford, who are behind the study. More likely to develop AIDS. According to Wimant, the new strain increases viral particles in the blood up to five times and makes those infected more likely to develop AIDS. The UN weighs in. The joint United Nations HIV Forward AIDS program states that those infected with the VB variant face double the rate of immune system decline. In the Netherlands, the strain was detected in 109 individuals living in the Netherlands, of which 82% were men. 109 individuals. Age, sex, 
suspected mode of transmission, and place of birth for the aforementioned 109 individuals were typical for HIV-positive people in the Netherlands, documents the University of Oxford study. 500. Mutations Wimant's research reveals that the HIV VB variant contains 500 mutations in comparison to the original virus. Scientists speculate that the virus may be evolving to counteract current HIV medications. The good news The good news is that current treatments such as PrEP can effectively fight this new strain. Though, it's still important to keep an eye on the evolution of VB and any new variants that might develop. The bad news However, the discovery of this new variant is scientific proof that viruses do not always decay and become less harmful, but that they can adapt and evolve into something worse. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Current HIV treatments not only help to delay or avoid the condition to develop into something more serious. They also lower the viral load of those who are positive to the point that it is virtually untransmittable. COVID-19 Comparisons Comparisons with COVID-19 have been inevitable, particularly among those who hoped that the power of the coronavirus would diminish with time. This HIV variant is a reminder that this is not always the case. Delta Reminder However, experts point out that such a case has already happened with the coronavirus, the Delta variant was more infectious and potentially more deadly. However, preventive measures and vaccination managed to keep it at bay. Misinformation However, another type of virus has also been spreading. Rumors. Reuters reports that some people on social media have tried to link this new HIV strain with COVID-19. This can be easily debunked. Remnants of a larger variant. The research published by Science reveals that these new findings are probably the remnants of a larger variant that, thanks to treatments, has been dying out. Over 20 years. It is believed. According to the study, that this more damaging and infectious variant appeared in the 1990s but has been diminishing in numbers since around the year 2000. Two decades before COVID-19 first was detected. Prevention first. What is true is that preventive measures such as protection during sex, appropriate medication, and periodical testing are a priority. Modern-day health services have many tools at their disposal to fight the virus, even before an infection occurs. A 40-year-old pandemic. If it wasn't for modern antiretroviral treatments, the VB variant would be a catastrophe. The United Nations calls the HIV pandemic the deadliest in our time, with over 36 million casualties in the span of four decades. AIDS. HIV is believed to have been transmitted by chimpanzees to humans in Africa in the early 20th century. The first well-documented case in humans occurred in the Belgian Congo in 1959. However, it wasn't until the early 80s when AIDS was detected spreading around the globe. Stigma 
Early bouts of AIDS in the 80s were ignored by many governments, such as the Reagan administration in the US, since the novel disease was regarded as something mainly affecting homosexuals, sex workers, and substance abusers. Red Ribbon Martyrs Years of protest and activism have managed to get rid of the stigmatization and create awareness around HIV forward slash AIDS. However, countless lives have been lost in the meantime, including talented individuals such as actor Rock Hudson, musician Freddie Mercury, or artist Keith Haring. Vigilant The discovery of this new HIV variant, while not considered a cause of concern, is a reminder to be vigilant about the virus. Despite all the progress made, the UN highlights that there are still over 10 million HIV-positive individuals lacking any sort of treatment for their condition. We hope that you have enjoyed our podcast. We thank you for your support. We hope to see you again next time.